Welcome to Sarian Strategic Partners Podcast, a podcast focused on pre-transaction planning strategies and commentary for founders, entrepreneurs, and executives. Our team's mission is to help ensure that you obtain the maximum net value from your life's work. We work with you to develop pre-transaction planning strategies to help position you for personal financial success by identifying key tax, estate, and gifting issues prior to a sale or exit of your company. I'm your host, Greg Sarian, CEO and founder of Sarian Strategic Partners. Grateful for your taking a few minutes to listen and watch our team's latest content on financial planning issues that we think are important for your consideration. Uh, this is the topic of Social Security. And in this discussion and the white paper that we've recently completed is most appropriate for those of you who are under 55 as it relates to the future of Social Security and what this means to your financial plan. So why this topic and why now? Our job is to be holistic. We view our role as looking at the entirety of your financial circumstance. And the research that Ray has taken the initiative to do, combined with the skyrocketing debt that we're facing as a nation, has led us to believe that it's important for us to share with you the views, alternate views on Social Security and how Social Security may look different for those under 55 than for those who are currently retired. So the spirit of today is to help educate, guide, and advise you on something that we think is important uh, for your financial future. So joining me today is Ray Baraldi. Ray is one of our partners and our director of financial planning. So Ray, you, you did a great job at this white paper, and this is attached in the video we're putting together today. How does Social Security change from where it began? You know, what, what prompted this whole process of writing a white paper on Social Security and, and where, where these changes come from? Sure. So when you think to the history of Social Security uh, started under the FDR administration and really right into the heart of the Great Depression. So its infancy was 1935, but it took a while to kind of get up to speed because they needed to build up into tax with FICA tax and be able to build up the reserves to be able to give it out. And from I guess 1937 to 1940, it was just a single lump sum payment for those people that qualified. And then once 1940 came around, then it was the typical monthly benefit that we now know. Those one-time payments were really small though. You know, we're talking about as small as five cents or $22 or $70 or something like that. Those weren't big payments. By the time that we were getting into the monthly benefit in 1940, we're talking 220,000 people were getting a monthly benefit. Compare that to 1980, 35 million. Today is over 50 million. And you also think about population growth. Well, what was the size of the U.S. population uh, in 1940? It was still pretty substantial, 126 million. Even in 1980, we were well over 200 million at that point. So it's becoming a larger and larger piece for Americans that really need Social Security and retirement. What we see about 50% of people, that's their primary source of retirement income. It's not they're pulling from their nest egg, it's not you know, a 401k, it is the social security check that comes from the government and it's actually very helpful for preventing old age poverty in the United States. With over 90% of people that have worked, 
are able to participate in Social Security. So in that way, it is much, much bigger than where it started. It was kind of this small supplement for people that had reached age 65 to be able to derive some benefit from the government to kind of help move them along. And, and now for almost half of Americans, it's kind of the, the main entree or the primary piece for their retirement income. Got it. So Ray, I know as, as you were beginning to do the research for this white paper and we were talking about how the numbers of people drawing on Social Security have been increasing, what are some of the biggest concerns that you see? How should we be guiding our clients who are under 55 based on some of the concerns that you're observing? Yeah, the biggest concern is a, a demographic shift, which is what we're starting to see now. For, for the longest time, you had about three workers for every Social Security beneficiary. And now with the baby boomers now moving into that retirement age and, and continuing to move into that retirement age, what we see is about two workers for every beneficiary. So there is what is called the old age survivors trust is the social security trust that they draw out to be able to pay the distributions. And that's depleting at a fairly rapid pace with the concern that it could be completely depleted by the year 2037. So Really, the concern is with a lot of the stimulus that we've had, a lot of the debt being racked up, we're talking about raising taxes. What are we going to be able to do here to prevent this from being completely depleted out by 2037 as we move into this demographics shift with baby boomers retiring? Now, once we get past that, you know, once you get into the mid-2030s, the demographics shift back. I don't want to call it normal, but they shift back in the favor where you get through the baby boomers and basically the average average woman has given birth to two children now for the last basically 35 years straight, and that's been continuing and kind of leveled off. So it's, it's really a matter of just getting through that next 15, 20 years where the demographics are very disfavorable. Okay. So this isn't the first time there have been issues with funding Social Security. Obviously, the numbers are bigger, both in absolute and relative terms, but when has this happened before, Ray, and how did the Social Security Administration respond to funding gaps in the past? Sure. So this was around 1981, uh, under the Reagan administration, they saw that there were going to be some very serious short-term funding issues. So they got together the what they called the Greenspan Committee, which is was led by Alan Greenspan, to see what needs to be done changing on, from a funding standpoint to be able to make sure that they were worried potentially even as close as 1983 that they could run out. So a couple things that they did there is they made the social security benefit taxable up to a certain threshold where it wasn't before. So it didn't matter if you had $2 million in retirement income, you still got your social security check and it wasn't taxed. It was tax free for everyone. Then they decided, hey, that doesn't make sense. Let's tax it. Once your income level reaches a certain point, let's tax that benefit. And then that specific tax goes right back into the old age survivor's trust mm -hmm. revenue. So it's very specifically line itemed back in. So it's almost recycled in that way. That was one big change that they made. Another change that they made was they changed the retirement age, which it used to just be 65, right? You hit 65 and that was considered full retirement age. What they did though was pretty interesting. They didn't make that an immediate change. They put that out kind of for the next generation. So starting in the 2000s, they started slowly creeping up that retirement age went to 66 and then 66 in six months. And now we see it full retirement age pretty much for everyone going forward is, is 67. Got it. 
So obviously in a moment, I'm gonna to speak to some things our clients might wanna think about as it relates to the possibility that they may not draw as much out of social security, but what changes can be made at social security's level? You know, obviously they're aware of this. What are some things that, that you think could happen from social security themselves to, to address this shortfall? Great question. So going back to the earlier point about demographics, if you don't make any changes at all and you just let the trust run itself dry, by 2037, tax revenue, FICA tax revenue itself, would be able to make up for 75% of the benefit. So it's not like Social Security is just going to dead go away in 2037. If no one did anything and they completely sat on their hands, you'd still be able to pay out about 75% of what it's paying out right now. So it's not an end of the world thing, but that's significant, especially when you think 50% of people, that's their primary uh, retirement income source. So a couple of things that people have kicked around, one is means testing. You know, what if, similar to the way that the social security tax works, what if you means tested it and you just eliminated benefits for a certain percentage of the population? One reason why that doesn't make a lot of sense is because it runs extremely efficiently in the sense that every single person gets taxed and every single person is basically eligible for it. And when you don't have to do means testing, the cost of administration is significantly reduced so if you did implement a kind of a means testing idea, you would also have to make a more robust administration to be able to add in new actuaries, what have you, people to be able to run that and effectuate that appropriately. So it's almost a, a net neutral on a savings if you did a means testing. What is more likely is you'll see tax increases. So you'd see an increase on the FICA tax up from where it currently is, and that would all depend as far as when it's implemented. So the sooner you can effectuate change on this, the less an increase you would need to make on your tax revenue. So you could really see more of a slight increase, maybe up to, to 5% on FICA, and if you were able to do that quickly, uh, you wouldn't need to make such dramatic changes as you got closer to 2037. And then also it's just really, what are the legislatures gonna do? What is Congress gonna decide as we move closer and closer to this? And how does the American public feel with the people that they elect and, and what they really want, kind of the spirit of the American public on Social Security. So as we get closer to that, I think we'll see, unfortunately, with what we've seen with Congress, is that you don't move quickly there. I mean, this isn't going to be something that's really top of mind here coming out of COVID and, and some other things that we're going to see a change in the next three to five years. But certainly in the next 10 years or so, I think this is going to become much more talked about and we are likely to see some change there. So change is the theme. How should our clients change? How should you all be changing how you think about Social Security and its role in your retirement spending plan? So there's three things we want to, we want to suggest, again, covered in the white paper in more detail. But the first is simply saving more. For each of you, the retirement modeling that we've done specifies how much money should be saved over what time frames, what rate of return we're shooting for. So if there's a possibility that Social Security may mean less than we're anticipating, the one way to address that would be to buffer or increase your own personal nest egg. Secondly, it could be delaying retirement. Work looks so different today than when I began in this industry almost 30 years ago and one of the things that we're seeing is people living longer and longer. So it's normal for us in our modeling to run the spend goal out to mid to late 90s. And so if people are going to be living longer, 
One of the other considerations is perhaps putting off your full retirement a bit longer. That really does two things. Number one, in our meetings we've talked about when you turn on the spigot, right? When you turn the hose on and you start to withdraw your money from your nest egg, two things happen. First of all, no longer are you not putting the money in, but it's also not compounding. Because when your asset base becomes more significant, there's a point in time where the compounding returns actually have a bigger impact on the growth than what you're adding to it on an annual basis. So every sort of six months year that you defer withdrawing that money, you're allowing that nest egg to continue to compound and grow. So saving more uh, really accomplishes a couple things. And the third would be openness to working in some shape or form in retirement. Again, we're seeing this quite a bit. A lot of our clients who are doing board work, consulting work, per diem work, and that's something that makes sense on several fronts. You stay mentally engaged and focused in the industry that you loved and, and, and focused on, but also, again, going back to the analogy of, of turning on the hose, if, if your drawdown rate is a bit more diminished, if it's maybe not quite what you'd expected it to be, maybe you're able to earn five or $10,000 a month from some type of part-time or consulting work, that's less money you've got to pull out of your nest egg to allow the nest egg to continue to grow and provide income longer. So any receptivity to work some shape or form in retirement only augments, strengthens any shortfalls that we may see in Social Security. So I want to close by introducing a tool that we've, I won't say it's a new tool, but it's an augmented, it's a built up tool. Attached is our capability deck and what we're sending you as well. And in our meetings, we've been talking to you about our interactive future cash flow analyzer. So we don't just want to bring this concept of a diminished or reduced social security benefit for those under 55 without helping you strategize around what does this mean in your financial plan. So this tool now enables us to paint different pictures with social security. So we can paint a picture that shows what if you get 80% of your benefit? What if you get 70% of your benefit? What if you get 70% and your spouse gets 50%? So that type of modeling, we want to help you do, and we want to help you think about what the impact looks like on your spending goals over time. So let us not just bring this information to your attention. Let us use this new tool to help rerun what this scenarios may look like in your circumstance. So thank you for, for taking some time to listen and watch. And please, any questions you have on the white paper, on the tool, on this video, we want to be a resource to help you. Thank you. Sarin Strategic Partners is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. 
Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Sarian Strategic Partners and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Sarian Strategic Partners and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.